Scientists now think the future will be far more futuristic than originally thought. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Peter, who may or may not be wearing pants. I'm not. I knew it, son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm literally not. And Cecil, who is the true hot child in the city. I certainly am, and my Frosty the Snowman pajamas... Uh, are just too hot to handle. <laughs> I, I, I always love that song when you hear it played at family restaurants and people don't understand that song's about a 13-year-old prostitute. And you go, Hot Child in the City's not exactly a family-friendly song. But okay, if you want to misunderstand it, then fine. Want to go to adamandeve.com? It helps out the show quite a bit. Go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and... And free U.S. shipping, just for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Now, you might see this episode as sort of a sequel to one that Cecil, Peter, and I did a while ago, although Fred was on that episode as well. We're not going to be as defending, you know, movies that we like that others don't so much, but I just want to look at some movies that we really like and no one else seems to. What's a movie that you love that no one else seems to like? No matter what movie it is. There's always somebody that likes it. And, I mean, there's always a group of people that like it. So, I mean, there's never – it's not a – that no one else likes it. It's just that it is a uh, a minority like it versus the majority that, that dislikes something. And I feel that a lot of them, too, are movies that uh, – there are people who, if you get into it with them, they will talk about how much they hate the movie and how much it sucks and blah, blah, blah. And then if you start to ask them questions about it, eventually – Eventually, you'll get to a point where they admit that they never actually saw it. So they're just kind of parroting what other people said. However, I'm not denying that there are movies that people just hate, don't like that they've seen. You know, I've seen this and I'd hate it. I will start off with a movie that uh, I have uh, defended many times. And there is a large community of people that do love this film, despite the fact that uh, it uh, was kind of a disastrous production. And uh, they had the um, the original directors were literally removed from the film and uh, it was fixed by uh, one of the additional uh, people that was working on the film. Anyway, the tried and true Super Mario Brothers. Mario for all the people that get angry that I mispronounce the name. Oh, the movie you're talking about is Max Headroom the Video Game. It, well, Pretty I mean, much. it was it was directed by the creators of Max Headroom, who uh, were trying to make it uh, a little bit more mature. And that was a lot of where the problem was, was that they wanted to make it, they were pushing it to be more mature, and the studio wanted it to be more for kids, and they were butting heads constantly, and they were trying to meet somewhere in the middle. Duo just wasn't really the best with convey Like, they did a lot of shutting down. It was just like, well, we're going to do that. Like, like, there is, you have to have a certain amount of compromise, especially when you're trying to do something so inherently different. Although it is kind of funny that uh, you know the studio hired them to make this film, and they presented what they were going to do, and then when they actually did do what they said they were going to do, then the studio was like, no, we don't want you to do that. So it always cracks me up when that happens. That happens a lot. There are stories from the set of that, though. It, you know, some people say exactly what you said, and some say Jenkel and Morton kept changing the script. That I mean, John Leguizamo I'm going to give an interview to Playboy, I think, in the late 90s, where he said he just stopped reading the script beforehand because he knew when he got in that day for makeup, the script would be different than the one he had the night before. And I can understand why that would frustrate the hell out of you if you're part of that crew. Oh, well, the, but the reasoning was, was because the studio would come at them with, with you know, oh, we want this different, we want this different. So they, they were rewriting stuff on the fly. They were changing stuff as it went along. And yeah, it was really incredibly frustrating for the actors and the crew and everybody involved but it was also uh frustrating to the directors and uh they were they were trying to adjust and they weren't really i, I don't want to say they weren't up to the task 
but I think that uh, the whole the whole thing just ended up being maybe a little bit out of their league. The the end result I still enjoy for what it is because it's so bizarre. Look, this, monkey. Like, yeah, monkey. This this like <laughs> cyberpunk dystopian alternate future present. Quite frankly, uh, you know, John Leguizamo and and uh, uh, just it's it's so bizarre and weird, and it really just stands out. Like there are so many other movies at the time that really you can't even compare it to and i enjoy it i understand why people may not like it they want the the you know the mario movie and whatnot and we are actually finally getting a animated you know mario movie so i'm really curious to see how that's going to come together because i have a feeling that like there's really not a lot of story i mean there's there's a little bit of story that they've kind of extrapolated over the years but i think that the animated mario movie is going to end up just kind of being a movie that's going to come out it'll probably be a big hit and it'll be forgotten whereas this it's really only been building over the years and it may have been reviled when it first came out but there's a large community of people that love it uh there is uh, a whole i mean hell they, they wrote a um they took the script that they had for the sequel and they made a comic book sequel because the sequel for the movie will never ever get made like legitimately so i think that that's interesting that you know there's there is a very big passion behind this movie that supposedly everybody hates i think people got way too worked up over a movie about a guy a fat plumber that jumps on turtles heads and fights dinosaur and saves a princess i think the fact that they were ambitious as ambitious as they were with the super mario brothers movie to make it kind of different to make it this like really absurd cyberpunky max headroom kind of thing they deserve credit for trying to do something different while still kind of trying to go with the whole mario lore but it's like what lore is there really to to go with here? It's just a, a funny little little arcade game. If you made it exactly the way it is, it's exactly as Cecil said with the animated movie that's going to come out. It's going to be exactly like Mario. It's probably going to be just like watching the video game get played, and it's going to be forgotten in like a year or two. Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. Okay, then you've got no. Def- okay, I don't. I can't speak for Cecil. You got no defender on my side because I will not. I back figured you up as on much. I figured as much. <laughs> this is why I picked it because I know that every time I share the fact that I like this movie, I usually get the the opposite reaction. I get people asking me why. Why do I like it? I can't agree with you. I try to explain why I like it, and they never agree. I don't even know really why I like it. I think I just enjoy watching it as a movie. I feel like it's both the theatrical. I actually prefer the theatrical cut over the producer's cut. I feel like the producer's cut is too many shots. Of Michael just walking around and standing in broad daylight. I feel like it has a, a nice atmosphere to it. Early performance from Paul Rudd. He seems to be perpetually 31 years old. He always looks exactly the same. But I like it. It's It tried to do something different with the Halloween series without being so different in the way that, like, uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare or Jason Goes to Hell or Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation tried to do, where they completely flipped everything around on its head. Or even, like, with the the Rob Zombie Halloweens tried to do where it's like, oh, he was just this bullied redneck white trash kid that really loved his mom. This was still Halloween in a way. It, it's still Michael Myers. It's still Dr. Loomis. It's still the Myers family. They try to add a, a cult twist to it and whether that worked or not, whether the whole incest thing was actually the, the right way to go with it. I feel like the movie had the right vibe to it. It felt like a Halloween film. It felt like it belonged to the lore of the fourth and fifth film. I just called, I call, um, Return of Michael Myers, Revenge of Michael Myers and Curse of Michael Myers, four, five, and six kind of their own trilogy it's it's sort of late 80s early 90s michael myers it doesn't really fit with halloween one and two but it's kind of its own trilogy and then you know you got h2o and you got resurrection and you got the rob zombie films and they're kind of their own little separate series as well like you got h2o and resurrection they fit in as two films you got the remakes they fit in as their own films and you got four five and six which are this fun little time capsule of, of 90s horror films that were still trying to capitalize on what was popular in the 80s and still trying to keep the legend of these characters going with maybe different plot twists. And I feel like Halloween 6 did it in a little bit more of a faithful way than something like Jason Goes to Hell did, where Jason was making out with dudes to swap bodies and was told that by his bounty hunter guy that he reminds him of a little girl in a pink dress sticking a hot dog through a donut because that's really respecting the, uh, the character. I felt like Michael was still Michael in Halloween 6. George Wilbur came back from Halloween 4 to play him again and did, did, did just as good of a job. Donald Pleasance's last film, and you can kind of tell he was very tired, but I enjoy watching it. I feel like it's a watchable film. 
Now, it's no trick-or-treat motherfucker, but it's still pretty bad. I think that Yeah, the well, adjur- why is it bad, though? Like, why do you actually think it's bad? I think the whole thorn cult thing is not only ridiculous, but it pisses all over the lore of the other films, including 4 and 5. It does in a way, but 4, 5, and 6 are sort of building into that. It's, it's sort of, as I said, that that's why I forgive it, because it feels like its own trilogy. Four is my favorite. I just don't I think, think four six... is really solid. I think I was going to pick four as uh, as my pick for because I was gonna I wanted to do a Halloween movie and I think a lot of them are actually underrated. But I feel like four is actually pretty well received with a lot of fans. I feel like a lot of people consider that to be one of the better sequels, like a sort of return to the formula that worked in the in the first two films while still being pretty di- pretty different. The Thorn Cult thing is stupid. I'll I'll admit the whole incest thing is kind of dumb, but for whatever but, reason, but the incest thing's not in the theatrical cut. It's implied. It's implied Michael's heavily. It's it's outright cut. said in the producer's cut. In the producer's cut, they show and they show and they say everything. Yeah, I, I feel like the theatrical cut did a better job with uh, being more like subliminal with it, and um, I feel like they. It was shot better. They used better shots in the theatrical one. It's it's I less of that Michael. On every level theatrical cut of Halloween Six is a good looking film and a well paced film and an enjoyable film. It's nowhere near perfect. I don't agree with the whole cult thing, but then again, I don't feel like four, five, and six fit in with one and two. I feel like one and two is its own little saga. So I feel like if you look at it that way, the Thorn Cult thing is a little more forgivable. But that's just the way that I look at it. Peter or me, who do you side with? Uh, I side more with Peter. I, I don't really have that much of an issue with it. I don't. It, it is not. It is not my favorite. Of, it's one. Of, you know, it's one of the lesser of the series. But I don't think that uh, it really uh, gets it gets a lot of hate, and it's not that bad. But then here I am picking a movie that I, I'm pretty sure you guys are going to side with me. But critics and audiences and even its star, director, and writer hate. And that is 1986's The Golden Child. Everyone hates this movie, and I don't get why. Its writer says the script was better than the movie. Eddie Murphy says it's the one movie in his entire career. And keep in mind, this is the man who made Pluto Nash, Pluto Nash. Who, who made Beverly Hills Cop 3, who made Daddy Daycare, who made Norbit. He told Barbara Walters if he could take one movie back, it would be never doing The Golden Child. And it's like, what is wrong with you people? The movie is funny where it's meant to be funny. It's got action where it, it's meant to. I love the special effects. The story actually moves at a good clip. Murphy is fantastic in the movie for how much he hates it. Charles Dance is f***ing amazing as the villain. You got Frank Welker, sorry, Dr. Claw as Satan or close to it. And, you know, you got my, my dear sweet brother Numsi. You've got, you know, get you know, the, the, the stop motion. You have the absolute hilarity in Tibet. Why does everyone hate the Golden Child so much? I was not aware of this. I, I thought everybody loved the Golden Child. Critics yeah, killed it in 86. Well, uh, everybody that I know loves the Golden Child, I think. And me personally, I also think it's hilarious. I think it's funny. I think uh, Eddie Murphy just, uh, he's he's on point. Uh, he looks like he's having fun. Everybody on in the movie looks like they're having fun. The production quality is good. The script is great. It always kind of saddens me when there's something like that, where uh, something that is reviled by the people that uh, are involved when is not a bad movie. Um, I think it's one of his best movies. Like, I think that's up there with, like, I mean, it may not be as good as uh, Coming to America and Beverly Hills Cop in 48 Hours, but I would put it up there, you know, when he was on fire, when he was actually making good movies, as opposed to the uh, complete shit that he makes now. So, yeah, I love The Golden Child. You, I won't I won't argue with you that, about that at all. I wonder if it would have been different John Carpenter or George Miller had directed it, because they were both up for it. George Miller walked out on Eddie Murphy when Eddie Murphy kept him waiting four hours at a production meeting, and John Carpenter turned it down to do Big Trouble in Little China. Ironically oh, that enough, makes with, so with, much sense. But ironically yeah. enough, with half of the Asian cast from this are also in Big Trouble. So, yeah. strange yeah. serendipity that... But but you got to wonder that era Eddie Murphy his ego wasn't out of control like when you know he he directed Vampire in Brooklyn we all know Wes Craven might have picked the camera shots but Eddie Murphy you know was in charge of that movie this was 1986 Eddie Murphy 1986 John Carpenter i wonder if it would have been anywhere close to the same movie we got but i love the movie nonetheless golden child to me actually feels like uh one of John Carpenter's more like comedic satirical more kind of films because 
I find it to be a perfect companion piece to Big Trouble in Little China. It actually sort of feels like it could take place in the same sort of universe. I always uh, have, have watched it sort of back to back because I feel like they, they fit perfectly together as like a movie night. And I could easily see John Carpenter directing it. And I think if he did, it wouldn't really be that different of a movie because it's a lot like Big Trouble in Little China. It has the same kind of wink, wink, tongue in cheek kind of humor to it, but still is funny in the right places and has action in all the right places. And even has a really similar look, feel like effects wise, acting wise, it, it feels like it could have been directed by Carpenter. Both that and Big Trouble in Little China go together perfectly. So it makes all the sense in the world to me that he was, uh, he was up for directing it. And then lo and behold, he goes and makes Big Trouble in Little China instead. And I think that's great because now we have both movies. I have one. I don't know if either of you have seen this one. This is a movie that was ranked the worst film of 2016 by a lot of critics. I ended up really thoroughly enjoying it. I thought it was really heartwarming and uh, cute. Very much the kind of film that you would probably expect me to like. It's a little awkward now because of uh, allegations against a certain uh, star that was in it. Basing the movie off of not the real world, basing it off the movie itself. I thoroughly enjoy it, and I loved the hell out of Nine Lives. <laughs> the, the movie where Kevin Spacey gets turned into a cat. So that's the one uh, with Christopher Walken? Yes, that's the one with Christopher Walken. I turned that off after a half hour. Of course you would. You, you <laughs> Sorry, not... that was terrible. I, mean, it was I can't nuts. claim the whole movie, but the half hour I saw was awful. Really? I don't know. I just, it, it hit me in all the right places. Uh, I got my wife to watch it to like, just kind of back me up on this. I'm like, look, if this sucks, I'm like, totally tell you know, you, you're going to say that. And we're watching it and she's like, she's tearing up at the end, you know, and it's like, it's, and she hates Kevin Spacey. She thinks that he is like the biggest creep in the world but uh i you know i was like look at this and she's like all right i actually really enjoyed that it's like a sweet family movie i think that the cg cat actually looks pretty good you know when they when they did use it it was a uh, funny you know it was funny it had like a you know some adult humor in there as well as stuff that was aimed at kids and i don't know i just uh is it the greatest movie ever no is it the worst movie of 2016 not by a long shot especially when things like when the greasy strangler that same year and sausage party can't exactly i was talking about sausage party last night about how uh, like i just uh, it just infuriated me and uh you know so i'm probably gonna get crap over that oh you like nine lives you don't like sausage party i don't you know whatever i, I will gladly rewatch the rest of nine lives if i never have to see sausage party again <laughs> <laughs> i have not seen it but the premise sounds weird and i kind of want to give it a try it's it is a current day shaggy dog movie only instead of it being a dog it's a cat and, <laughs> i mean it's really the scent essentially what it is really he's a really uptight businessman and he doesn't have enough time for his kids and he gets turned into a cat and then he you know he he learns how to have time for his is family he a talking and, cat a talking cat <laughs> My next pick, and it's, I think it's going to be another one that uh, actually neither of you uh, will likely agree with this one, Rocky Five. You are correct. I don't agree with that <laughs> one. I'm not a Rocky fan, but that's the one where, where, where they just said, yeah, you know what? We're not even pretending to take place in the real world anymore. No, well, that I was Rocky Five. Um, it, actually, I didn't like it at first. When I was a kid, I fucking I hated it. I found it to be like a slap in the face of those movies. I was always a one through four kind of guy. But as I got older, like throughout high school and then coming into university and stuff like that, I was a little bit older and I decided to revisit the Rocky films and I just watched them all in, all in succession over one sort of uh, lazy rainy afternoon. I was, and I just had a lot of time on my hands. So I just kind of put them on in the background and I started paying attention to Rocky five a little, a little bit more. Um, and I gave it a little more of a try because I remember when I was younger, I don't, I don't think I'd even finished it. Like it was just sort of, it seemed shitty and I didn't want to watch it. And it just seemed kind of weird that he would go back to Philly and all this stuff. I don't know. I can't remember exactly why I didn't want to give it a chance, but I didn't enjoying it for what it was. I ended up enjoying Stallone's performance and Talia Shires. And I liked that they were kind of going for a Mike Tyson thing with uh, Tommy Gunn. I thought that was actually kind of interesting and that he was sort of this parallel of, of Rocky, that he was very similar, that he had sort of a shitty upbringing as well. And there was going to be kind of a, a protege sort, sort of thing. But then that back, fires because he's too too unhinged and too much of um, uh, a wild card 
kind of character, which is the, the Tommy Gunn one, that he's a little too far gone as like a, as a street, a street fighter kind of character. Um, and I think who really ends up shining in the movie, who I didn't pay attention to much when I was uh, a lot younger, but when I had rediscovered it was, uh, Sage Stallone plays obviously Rocky's son. And this was the first time that it was actually Stallone's son in the role. It was Sage. And he actually, I feel like the movie, if it focused more on him, it actually would have been even better. I liked a lot of the elements of, of him kind of uh, feeling like he's ignored by his father uh, because he's training this like young up and coming guy and he's getting very frustrated and he's getting bullied at school and going through all this shit and his dad doesn't seem to be there for him but he's like picking up on little boxing techniques and stuff while he's training this Tommy Gunn guy and he's like training on his own and he's decided not to give a shit about you know whether his dad validates him anymore or not he's just looking out for himself fantastic performance which is why I found it really heartbreaking when he um when he ended up passing I believe it was in when was it like 2014 around then he was he was found I think he was um was an overdose uh Rocky 5 I had become a pretty big fan of uh of Sages like I I sort of I liked him in his own right you know he he liked the exploitation scene he wanted to be a film preservationist definitely took itself more seriously than Rocky 4 did i mean that's practically a cartoon uh as much as i love Rocky 4 it does not exist within the realms of reality at all. I'm starting to think you and I saw different Rocky Fives, man. Well, let me let me get to my point. Like like Rocky Four is, is basically it's it's a He-Man cartoon. I mean, and that's that's not me. Uh, I, I know that obviously Dolph Lundgren was He-Man, but it is like a He-Man cartoon. These two two ginormous buff shiny dudes that are just smashing <laughs> the fuck out of each other. And you know you got Rocky training in a barn and like doing ridiculous shit and running up mountains and stuff. And Dolph Lundgren's like ridiculously just he's got like his the stopping power of his punch is like the the pressure of like a crocodile snapping somebody's head off or some shit like i forget what it's compared to but it's like this ridiculous number that if anyone was hit once they would die so it's like at this point rocky is superman and drago is like doomsday like it's it's these these two forces colliding in a in a splash and in a splash of neon 80s and synth pop that just fucking suffocates you and attempts to kill you in how 80s it is so when you got something like rocky 5 following that which went back to more of the realistic realms of the boxing world you had shady promoters you saw what happened when somebody retires from being an athlete the 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 glitz and the glamour kind of goes away and that's very much in tone with real life if you don't get your money right you can really fuck yourself like it shows how Polly basically screwed them. They had to go back to living in their old house. Tommy Gunn angle with the the very Don King like promoter, which maybe was a little too on the nose. It's sort of a, a way of of Rocky finding out that he he isn't who he is because of his his glamour or his accolades or anything, but it's who he is as a as a person. Uh, his heart, the way he's been there for his family, the way he's able to to sacrifice everything he can to make sure everything's right with them. Five is such a weird thing. Like I don't. It's been a while. Um. I don't hate it. I just, I just feel that, uh, and also I'd like to revisit it now, like, cause uh, now that I'm a little bit older, this was actually supposed to be the final Rocky. Like originally he died in the ring. That was the original way that Stallone wrote it. Mm-hmm. And the studio lost their mind and said no. And so they, once they stepped in and said, no, he's not going to die in the ring. They started to kind of make other changes and they started to kind of take thing. They started taking away directorial power from John G. Avildsen. Stallone didn't really get his back as much as he should have still ended up being not all that bad. I still think that um, Tommy Gunn was not really the best opponent for him. And I would have been annoyed if, uh, if he, you know, if they did do that, like if such a weak character ended up being the one that killed Rocky in the ring. But uh, I think on paper, I think it was written to be a lot stronger and maybe Mm. they just cast like the wrong person, uh, to be the, uh, to be the bad guy. Didn't have enough of a, enough of a presence. Like, and that's, and that's a fault of usually casting real athletes. Like, that guy is a real boxer. So uh-huh. you, you never know what you're going to get when you actually get, like, a real pro athlete. With Dolph Lundgren, you get Dolph Lundgren. Like, you know, this guy's an actual martial artist, and he has this epic presence about him. So you get somebody like Drago or, or somebody like Mr. T, who's just this, like, ultimate personality. But with Tommy Gunn, it was just kind of this, even though he was this big powerhouse-looking guy, he was, he had a very average presence to him. 
He was a putz. It was like, no matter how big he is, I wasn't afraid of him. I wasn't, you know, like, I was like, ah, eh, who cares about this guy? You know, but yeah. like, you know, Apollo Creed is like, wasn't as big as him. A swagger had a way about yeah. him. It's like, all right, this dude, you, you know that he will be able to knock you out. I don't know where you guys are going to fall on this. Critically and again, fan wise, I can't be the only one who loves Southland Tales. I don't know why so many people don't. Now, I'm not a fan of Kelly's work in general, okay? So that surprised me that I actually liked Southland Tales. But I think the movie works where it shouldn't. Almost all of the terrorists are played by comedians, and they do the job. John Lovitz is a super corrupt Vic Mackey cop, and you buy it. Most of the terrorist group are Saturday Night Live people. You've got you got Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a porn star who has the best line in the movie. Scientists now think the future will be far more futuristic than originally thought. The, the U.S. military being so broke, they have to get product placement from Hustler magazine to wage World War III. There's all this political satire. It's kind of dated, very Bush-era political satire. The censorship of the Internet. You've got this weird interdimensional story. You have Kevin Smith with a giant beard and no legs. Justin Timberlake actually being badass in this and breaking into a music video in the middle of the movie, which I know really pissed a lot of people off, which I thought made sense considering his character just did drugs. I saw that as just a hallucinatory segment. I absolutely love Southland Tales. I'm reading reviews like incomprehensible, a complete waste of money, a complete waste of time, a waste of talent all around. No one likes Southland Tales. Did they see a different cut than I did? I need to watch it again because the first time that I was watching it, I was constantly being interrupted and uh, I I never was able to really just give it like a full, like my full attention. I don't remember. It was it was just a bad time when I was trying to watch it. So I can't you know i can't say or you know either way i just need to i really been meaning to revisit it i need to check it out again so i'll just leave it at that um i saw bits and parts of it and what i saw was interesting and it's one that i want to revisit and give like cecil said full attention to it was uh it was on tv when i caught it okay yeah. it's got a don't it's got a dumpy woman in a in a like clear rain blade runner style rain slicker holding the rock at gunpoint demanding that she be able to suck the rock's dick I bet that happens to him on a daily basis. One of the trials you get when you're the rock, I guess. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I, I do want to check it out because it looked really interesting and very different. And it was, uh, who, who else? Sean William Scott's in that one, right? Yeah. Sean William like Scott has two different characters. Christopher Lambert is an arms dealer out of an ice cream truck. Yeah. John Larroquette is the president's sleazy secretary of state. Uh, you get to see Eli Roth shot while shitting. He gets killed <laughs> on a toilet. That's always a plus. <laughs> Yeah, I I remember like hearing about who was in it and like the cast being really appealing and that uh it, it looked very strange. For whatever reason I didn't get a chance to finish it, but I I am going to. Like it's it's one of those movies I've been wanting to go back and and rewatch cuz it looks very weird and very interesting. Uh here is one that uh I know at least one of you, possibly both of you is going to disagree with me on, but uh it is a recent film pretty much m- most people hated it, although it has influenced tons and tons and tons of cosplay. A little film called Suicide Squad. Uh oh God, I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> to a certain degree, all right, yeah, I can understand, you know, people not liking it, but I don't understand the amount of vitriol hatred that it gets. Like, I, I think that I agree on certain points. Yes, the editing could have been uh, a little bit less music video. I Jared think- Leto is the worst Joker in the history of the any kind of live action Batman. Oh, absolutely. But the thing is, the movie doesn't live or die on him because he ends up being such an inconsequential character. I wonder if that is largely because of the fact that he ended up being so terrible. He definitely, worse than the editing, he is the worst part of the movie. He, like, I'm glad that uh, they didn't put him in the movie all that much, because every time he was on screen, it was just like, oh, God, like, just he just sucks. Like, everybody else was more interesting. Thinking, like, like he was playing a combination of Ace Ventura and... And what's his face as character from Spring Breakers? Oh God, He's Alien! Kinda... He was yeah. a, he was Alien as Joker. Yeah, Just yeah Spring I, you know, Break. 
And, 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 and there, there's some Ace Ventura in that with his like hot little hunka hunka hunka. And I'm like, oh my yeah, god, what put the your gym carry away, man. Put it away. Put it away. Yeah. He like, he was trying, I like to, to just be too crazy and it just really didn't work all that well. But everything else, like, I mean, he, he all told, I think was maybe 10 minutes of the film, uh, 10 minutes of a two hour film. Like, so I was kind of cool with that. And even in the extended cut, uh, there was only like one additional scene with him in it but I, I i gotta disagree with you man that whole movie is a train wreck you can tell the editing problems and i don't just mean the joker stuff the narrative makes no sense the characters or their motivations keep changing there's all of these editing mistakes in the movie that you go wow there were multiple like uh and i didn't even notice this at first but like with captain boomerang and the pink unicorn they specifically show him grab the pink unicorn when he gets it and he puts it in the right side of his jacket. And then later he drops the pink unicorn and puts it in the right side of his jacket. Then later he gets stabbed in the right side of his jacket and you expect him, oh, the pink unicorn saved his life. No, it's a stack of money we never saw him pick up. And you go, what the f***, editor? You were clearly building to something and then you just went, no, nah, we're going to do something else. And the whole movie's like this. Well, they, again, there were problems and, you know, we, that's one where we may never see the uh, original cut. And it's another reason why the studios need to stop listening to the internet. They need to but just. No, it, it, it's not even just that. It's the script too, like the the overly descriptive dialogue. And now we've got such and such, the man who can climb anything. Because why should we introduce this character when we can have another character just tell us what he's there for? And then tell us again and again. Like they introduce them how many fucking times? Yes, you know, it's, it's a incredibly poorly written script. The motivations for the characters don't make any sense. The, the guy, the, the main guy who plays Flag, I can't remember the actor's name. Oh man. He constantly is telling us what the plot is. Like, like we forgot from 15 minutes ago, he has to keep recapping the plot and it's like, shut up and do something. Well, that's, that's too bad. You're not gonna get that from fucking Robo Remake. You're not going to no, get no, anything so like, good from that guy. You're not going to get anything good from Robo Remake. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Still I don't know. I like, I don't terrible. Think- I am not saying that it is a great film by any means. I am simply saying that it is an enjoyable film. Issues. But I, I think that, uh, I have fun with it. So that's the problem with, with some things too, is that people don't seem to, to understand that you can like a flawed thing. Like you don't, like everything doesn't have to be good or bad. You know, it's not the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. You can enjoy something simply for what it is. And this is a movie that, yes, it has problems, but I think that the the fun factor of it kind of, for me at least, is able to overcompensate for a lot of the other issues that uh, that even I have with it. So I enjoy it in spite of its problems that I do recognize. So I'm not saying that it is a, gr- again, I preface, not saying it is a great film by any means means i'm saying that it is an entertaining enjoyable cluster felt like what it was which was edited by a trailer house i didn't like the adaptations of the characters i felt like will smith wasn't right for Deadshot. i felt like margot robbie was wasted as harley quinn i was kind of expecting her to be and i know i shouldn't expect things but i felt like she was going to maybe be more like how she was in wolf of wall street where she actually had like a new jersey accent like harley quinn dumb bitch valley girl bad guys go f- yourself this is really bad i tried to like it i really did i couldn't because i mean i'm i'm mr Zack snyder dc apologist man like i'm supposed to like all of these right those listening but that one i don't know i couldn't get behind it i wanted to but i really i couldn't i didn't like the way the movie looked i felt like it had a i felt like it had this weird like brown filter over it the whole time cara dev devonin whatever the was (laughs) awful as the enchantress like all of her villains were like shit monsters or something like i didn't like it i just i really i wanted to i really did i i pride myself on supporting these dc films because i think they're great this was the one bump in the road i couldn't get behind suicide squad and i wanted to but i couldn't just didn't like it peter you're not getting the nuance it was part of that wave of sky beam in the sky collecting garbage that has to be stopped and disposable cgi army all <laughs> blockbusters have to have that don't you get it oh i get it it works it sucked in this one uh i could actually do all three of my uh last ones 
because uh, they're all technically the same character. I was all going right. to do this as a bit, but I don't think it's going to work anymore. You were going to ask me what my next one was and the one after, and it was going to be, well, the first one was Punisher 89, Punisher 2004, and the next one was going to be Punisher Warzone. So it was going to kind of be like, okay, Peter, what's your next pick? Punisher 20, 2004. <laughs> Make it all as, as one thing. And what, what inspired me to want to talk about these, because uh, with the Netflix uh, Marvel, Netflix Marvel Punisher show, which is fantastic. I just finished watching it last night and I was enthralled by it. John Bernthal was amazing. They had some great little nods to the, to the, to the Enos run of, uh, Punisher. A lot of Punisher Max stuff. Dark. It was gritty. It was violent. Brutal. But I feel like a lot of people are mis, are discrediting a lot of the old movies and they always have been. Like I, I feel like these movies have always been crapped on. Um, nothing has ever been good enough. He wasn't Punisher enough. He was, either not violent enough or it was too too over the top or too this or too that or too much backstory and it's just everybody has always bitched about them and I've always enjoyed them a lot and what really bugs me now is everybody that's talking about the new show go back and they're like finally a Punisher that's more human this is the real Punisher this is the best version of the Punisher and you know what? F*** you it's just they're just as good in my opinion as the, the TV show is every actor that has played Frank Castle in my opinion has Given just as much of their own unique, nuanced look and uh, delivery of the character. Dolph Lundgren, I really enjoyed a lot because he was borderline serial killer. This is a guy that's like, he's been Frank Castle for so long that he's like living underground. I could do without the weird naked meditation stuff. I feel like that didn't really add anything to the film. The overall vibe is cool. I love the dirtiness of it. It even works without the skull. I feel like he doesn't need to have the skull in that movie. Dolph Lundgren himself carries that character really well, and I feel like proves that he isn't just Ivan Drago or He-Man. Like, he can actually deliver very good performance. A lot of really, really good uh, moments between him and Louis Gossett Jr. There's that fantastic line at the end of the movie with, like, the, the mob boss's son where he's like, you know, you're a good kid. Grow up to be a good man or I'll find you. And it's like, that's dark. That's a dark thing to say to a kid. It's got some nice Yakuza elements of it because, you know, Punisher's known for fighting ninjas. That was a nice little nod to the comics, whether it was uh, intentional or not. I feel like Punisher 89 is a solid 80s vigilante film that people need to check out if they haven't yet and should maybe revisit if they look down upon it. Maybe you've only seen it once and a little bit of it on TV. I guarantee, go back and look at it. It's not that different from the, the from the John Bernthal Punisher. It's actually, that movie is probably the closest to the Netflix show in terms of tone. Punisher 2004, good origin story. Not great, but good. Uh, a bit weird to change it up to Tampa, Florida instead of New York, but whatever it worked. Thomas Jane is what makes that movie work. He was a dead ringer for Frank Castle. He put in shitloads of work, uh, training as a Navy SEAL, getting his physique to look right. He looked the part. He really looks like the Punisher, which in my opinion is kind of what uh, Clark Kent would look like or Bruce Wayne would look like if they were a bit of an alcoholic, which is kind of what Frank Castle looks like. He's got that 50s leading man square-jawed vibe to him, but he's got the five o'clock shadow. His hair is a bit messy. He's got the bags under his eyes. That's pretty much Punisher to a T, which is what Thomas Jane looks like, and he killed it. John Travolta was camp as all shit. Almost ruins the movie, but still, it's fine. There's not enough action in it, but the the stuff you do get with Jane as Punisher is pretty great, especially the final confrontation where he's got the vest with like the spray-painted skull, which again, very much like the John Bernthal one. And we do get a lot of human elements from Jane's performance, from Lundgren's performance, and of course, Ray Stevenson's, which I'll mention in a minute. You've got a lot of uh, of Jane mourning the death of his family, even even thinking about killing himself after he's finished his mission and he's he's you know, punished evil or whatever, and he's gotten his revenge. He realizes that he needs to step up and do this, like, completely and go through and take care of all the rapists and all the scum and really become the the Punisher. That's more of a movie of him becoming what the Punisher is. But there's a lot of really great human elements, especially when you got an actor like Thomas Jane who's amazing at uh, emoting. Like, anybody that, that thinks... He delivered some, like, cold, dead performance, needs to go back and revisit that one. Punisher Warzone! Ray Stevenson was great. The direction in this film was awesome. I loved all the neon color. I loved how action-packed it was. And again, we get a human side of Frank Castle. There's that fantastic scene where he goes to the the gravestone of his wife and his kids. He sees, like, a smudge on it. He's trying to, like, scrub it out, and he's leaning up against it. You can see he's about to, like, break down and just start bawling his eyes out. 
How that's not human, I don't know. Plus, he gets pissed at himself for accidentally killing a cop while he's chasing after Billy Russo. Like, he damn near almost quits being the Punisher because he killed an agent in the field. Like, how is that not human? I really don't understand why people need to go and discredit other shit just so they can make something else look better. While the Netflix Punisher was great, so are the movies, and I feel like they're devastatingly underrated. The 89 one has its own charm. The 2004 one has its own charm. And Punisher Warzone is straight out of the fucking comics. Like, they tried to make that one as close to the comics as possible, especially with the casting of Ray Stevenson. He, he's a dead ringer more so than, than Thomas Jane is as Frank, because he's got the slick back hair. He's got the very square-looking face. He looks a lot like uh, Frank did in, in the... It's like a mix of the Enos run and some of the, the Punisher Warzone comic stuff. Like, he's got that really big, broad, slick back hair look to him. They're too good to be overlooked, in my opinion, and people need to go back and look at these films and realize that superhero movies are not just the current DC universe or the Marvel stuff we're getting in theaters now. We actually had some pretty fucking good stuff back in the day in the 80s and in the earlier 2000s and in 2010. We had some good Punisher movies. I, in my opinion, they're, I don't just think they're good. I find them to be great. I think they're really good depictions of the character, and I think they're far too underrated and need to be given uh, another look by a lot of people who continue to this day, especially those who write articles praising the, the, the new show, criminally underrating it. 89 Punisher is a great movie, but it's a terrible Punisher movie. They changed everything about the character's origin, everything about his personality, everything about how he lost his family. So it's a great late 80s action movie, but it's a terrible Punisher movie in the same way that like Constantine. If you've ever read any of the comics, it's a horrible Constantine movie, but it's a great supernatural Avenger thriller movie. So, so the 89 one, terrible Punisher movie, but for, good movie. For whatever reason, they decided to make him an ex-cop instead of a Vietnam vet. I really, I don't see the logic behind doing that. That's because it's, uh, it's cinematic shorthand. Because yeah. you can go through the Vietnam vet, and then when he came back, he had PTSD, and then he lost his family to this, or he's an ex-cop and the mob was getting revenge. It's quick cinematic shorthand by lazy screenwriting. Mm -hmm. That, that's what that is. The 2004 version, Thomas Jane was perfect as Frank Castle, but again, well, he's not an ex-cop, he's an ex-FBI agent. Oh no, he so was still, still a war vet. He was, he right, was a war but, vet that became a cop. But he was never an FBI agent in the comic. Comics, but no, the, he wasn't. The, I don't know why they did that. I guess maybe to again, still give cinematic him a, shorthand to give him like a career after the military. I guess I, again, I think it's cinematic shorthand. But I hated the 2004 movie. That's not the Punisher. The Punisher doesn't pretend to torture somebody. I hated the Ennis run. Everyone praises that that Garth Ennis run was rape of the Punisher. Lore. No, it wasn't. The I hated it great. so much. I almost quit reading the character in general because of how much. Garth Garth Ennis wrecked that character. You're nuts. And then all, and then all the stupid neighbors like Spacker Dave and all that. My God, shut up! Get these people out of here. That was a terrible movie, but a great Punisher actor. And Warzone, it was ridiculous. And part of the problems with Warzone are the CGI is god awful. I mean, it's PS2 level CGI for the violence. But it's the villains. Now, Jigsaw is a great villain in the comics. I think Doug Hutchinson and What's-His-Face as Jigsaw, they're in a totally different movie than The Punisher and Dexter's Dead Wife and all that. Oh, God, yeah, they're go, hamming it. They're really, yeah, really hamming it up. But they it's fun. It was that, really fun. They wrecked that movie. They wrecked that movie for me on every level. Really? I was, I, I was getting into the Punisher stuff, and then they would cut back to the brothers, and I'm like, oh, my God, fuck off. I don't know. I liked their stuff. I thought they were fun. Hated it. Just nah. hated it. You just hate fun. Adore the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. I think that it is uh, it is just amazing on every level. The Thomas Jane one, uh, I think that uh, Thomas Jane uh, looks the part, uh, is the most serious of the bunch. And if they were to, as much as I enjoyed the Dolph Lundgren one, if they were to continue any of them, I think that uh, the best bet would have been to them for them to continue the Thomas Jane uh, iteration. They were originally um, going to. Uh, Warzone was supposed to be Thomas Jane. 
that was meant to be like a direct sequel, but for whatever reason, at the last second, they got uh, Ray Stevenson. Yeah, and they just they shifted like tone and everything like this. Yeah, cause th- there's like zone. a picture. There's a picture floating around somewhere of like Thomas Jane getting into the Warzone shape, and he got like even bigger and like more Jack to play Frank Castle again, and then they just like canceled it. But I did mm-hmm. enjoy Warzone for just being completely over the top ridiculous with it, and it is worth watching it uh, for the one part alone where he just takes the shotgun to the dude's face. And just, and <laughs> oh, I actually thought just, you were going to say the God rocket launcher to the parkour it. guy. Oh, the God rocket launcher to the castle. Par- yeah, Doug. Damn it, Castle! It was just amazing, but yeah, the rocket launcher to the parkour guy is brilliant as well, yeah. but I think that, the, I think it gets inched out by the shotgun to the face, cause it's so unexpected. It's You're so just blatant. like, he's just sitting there in a chair, and he's like, alright, I got him, blah! And, uh, the dude immediately loses his mind. It's hilarious. I, I laugh the every the, time. The theater erupted, um, laughing. At first they were like, oh shit! And then they started laughing after it, cause it's so fucking out of nowhere. Nobody was expecting that to happen. Yeah, it was, it was shocking but in yeah. the best possible way so i enjoy all three of them for th- in three completely different ways remake of black christmas uh now black christmas the original is one of my all-time favorite movies black christmas the remake has was severely meddled with by uh good old harvey scissorhands I still think that the the look of it is absolutely beautiful. I think that it's one of the most colorful uh movies I've ever seen. Uh they just they they didn't go for a just brown horror film. They they set up the Christmas theme. There's whites and like bright reds and the Christmas lights of green and orange and yellow. It really pops in this movie, especially on Blu-ray. It just it's a beautiful looking film. I think that um there are it's a little sillier because they, you know, the, the studio wanted to make some changes and wanted to make it more of a, a, like throw in some more jump scares and whatnot. But, uh, at the end of the day, I still think that the movie that we did get is, is entertaining and very good looking. And I think the director got completely screwed over it. Is the, is his cut better? Absolutely. I'm sure that his cut is probably better. But unfortunately, that is one where we more than likely will never see that when his version was put together. They went back in and, you know, reshot scenes for the trailer and reshot some scenes to insert into the movie. I don't know if his version even exists anymore. So uh, I still think that uh, it, for what it is, I think it's a really entertaining, good looking slasher film. And that's really all I wanted. It's not it's not the amazing slasher film that the original one was, but I think that uh, it's interesting enough. And they did what I always say. They took elements from the original and went in a completely different direction. So really, you can watch the two films back to back and get two completely different experiences. So I've I've uh, I was stunned. As much as I love the first one, uh, I went into the remake of Black Christmas expecting to hate it and ended up really enjoying it. And I'm really sad that it screwed over Glenn Morgan's career because uh, he deserved better. And see, I'm the exact opposite. I, I love Glenn Morgan's stuff from the X-Files, 21 Jump Street, Millennium, and all that. I loved The One, Final Destination. So I went into the movie expecting to like it and walked out going, what the fuck happened? I hated the film hated it and of course yeah i found out later about the the reshoots and all that but to me the film is unwatchable to me it's just an unwatchable film nothing really against it i liked it a lot i feel like it was one of the better like horror remakes that you can check out i uh, i've only seen like the original maybe once or twice and i've only seen the remake like once or twice feel like it, it's a good kind of remake they did something different enough to where it stands on its own and i really agree with cecil it's it's a gorgeous looking film there's so much color it's got some good good violence in it it's got some good performances in it i feel like it's it's a solid slasher movie and that's all it needed to be well and then i'm just going to burn through a couple we don't really have to discuss but on my list i also had the spirit the frank miller movie you know what i thought it was funny i love scarlett johansson in it and i thought samuel jackson was hilarious I'm one of the few people on the planet that likes Alone in the Dark. Yes, I know Tara Reid is wrong. I don't like her in it, but I enjoy Alone in the Dark. Transylvania 65000, other than Jeffrey Jones, the pedophile being a main character, I think is incredibly funny. I just watched it again a month ago. Hudson Hawk, who 
who doesn't love Hudson Hawk nowadays? Do you want me to but, rape him? <laughs> oh God, that is one of that, that was an ad lib by the actor too. <laughs> that was because you can and you can almost see one of the other actors start to crack up. You can almost see it that that was not the scripted line. I don't know what the scripted line was, but that was Hudson Hawk is so funny. Now it has bad parts. Hudson Hawk is is really funny, but I'm going to make a cheat for my last one here. My last one, I'm going to go with the 1978 HBO special, Disco Beaver from Outer Space. What the f***? The National Lampoon special, even to this day, is the lowest rated original piece of programming in the history of HBO. It was an hour long of... Someone at home, you know, this is before Amazon Women on the Moon, but Amazon Women on the Moon style flipping channels on pay cable and all the weird crap you'd find, such as like Dragula, Queen of Darkness, a super effeminately flaming gay Dracula that bites masculine guys on the wrists and turns them flaming gay and they get a lift and they want to go hang out at the bathhouse. And then Lynn Redgrave plays plays Van Helsing, who, instead of garlic to get Dragula away, she hangs up meatloaf and men's magazines. It's full <laughs> of just these weird interludes. You have this beaver that comes down from outer space, but in New York, there's no wood for him to eat, so he is on a quest. It's a complete clusterfuck of cocaine, 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 to the point that the president of HBO, when the director turned in his cut, said unacceptable, threw him out of his office, and had to pay someone else to re-edit the footage into what he called possibly coherent. <laughs> if you've never seen Disco Beaver from Outer Space, you kind of have to. It's not a good movie. I'm going to say that straight up. And it's not even a movie. Like I said, I'm technically cheating because it's a TV special. You can find it easily on YouTube, but you could never do the bulk of these jokes again. They're racist jokes homosexual jokes. There are so many jokes you could never do. Dragula is a hemosexual. Hemosexual? Hmm. A hemosexual. Yes, he's a he, he's a hemosexual and he calls himself Queen of Darkness. Oh my and God. get get this, this was actually based on a comic book that was in a National Lampoon issue. Neil Adams drew it with a Frank Frazetta cover for Dragula Queen of Darkness. Jesus. You just kind of got to see it. It's it's not good, but you might enjoy it on a what the f- was that level i might have to be drunk uh, for that one <laughs> i'm gonna take it neither of you have seen disco beaver from outer space no nope. negative Never seen it or heard of it it's on youtube so you can find it pretty easy it's only 50 some minutes long there are there are movies out there that are just they're good we enjoy them a lot of people don't why do you think that you like certain movies that many others don't why do you think like the picks you had tonight are more or less and i'm not saying just you in, in a in a slanderous way but mm -hmm. like just you in a you know there's not a lot of people on your side about this and that goes for all of our lists basically why why do you think that some people take the whole thing too seriously like they take it as a personal slight when you like something and they don't they they get confused they don't understand you know how how could you possibly like this pile of garbage and like there are movies that people like that i don't like and i just kind of all right fine you know i i let that go but it's just weird that uh we're in this invested society now where uh people almost need to be like reinforced you know it's like i just saw five reviews in a row and they said this movie sucks and then i come to you and you say that you like it you know i i'm now i'm confused and it's like well how about you you see it and you kind of make up your own mind it's one thing to listen to critics because you you do want to get that that thing if there's somebody who you identify with you're like hey i usually agree with this guy's likes uh then you go and you see the movie and you know maybe you agree maybe you disagree or maybe you agree with him most of the time but it's just it's very odd that people take this this stance you know i have to have everybody that i watch you know or everybody that i read i agree with them 100 percent or i won't watch them anymore and i'm just kind of from the, the the status of you know what i like it and if you don't that's cool you know if you do great if you don't like it that's fine 
You know, I'm not going to be offended by it. I'm not going to care. I'm not going to unfriend you or, or stop talking. You know, uh, I just I think it's so funny that people get that invested with something that uh, really it's just something that rolls off. Hey, you like it? Great. If you don't like it, that's also great. You I, like Justice League, so I'm unsubscribing to you. There you go, you son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. Now we're fighting. That's that's where I draw the line. All I can really say is I likes what I likes and that's it. I don't care. I don't care if you, you don't like what I like. I, cause I'm Peter the Peter Man. I don't know. F- I like what <laughs> I like. I'm Peter the Peter Man. Sure. You have the arms for it. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. like, like Cecil said, it do- doesn't matter. You know, you don't have to agree with uh, everybody on everything. A lot of people are going to have opposing opinions. Cecil loves, loves cabin fever. I think it's a pile of shit. We both love Justice League. You know, whatever. You're not always going to agree. You're not always going to disagree. Just like what you like. Read reviews if you really need to get a grasp on what the movie might be like, might be like, but don't base your entire judgment on that. If you feel like you, the way I gauge a movie if I want to see it, if I like the way it looks in the trailer, I'll go check it out. Even if I'm seeing negative reviews of it, even if people are like, oh, but it was actually really shitty. It's like, well, I still think it looks good and I'm still going to go see it. I think that's the best way to do it. Don't follow tomato meters. Don't follow negative trash reviews that are just telling you it's the worst, worst, awful, most stupidest thing ever. If you think it looks good, if you like the actors in the movie, if you like the, the director, if you're someone that follows the, the screenwriter who does the movie, who's done other things that you've enjoyed, if you just think it looks good based on like a single still frame of it that you've seen, if you think there's, there's one chance that you might enjoy it, just, just go and watch it like what you like and don't like what you don't like it really doesn't matter that much and i think that's what people take too seriously as both of you pointed out people take like our opinion not just us as radio drone but as the three separate entities of peter cecil and josh we constantly get people that will post something to our timelines or to our twitter account that'll be like what do you think of this movie it's fine if Someone wants my opinion. But I don't like the fact that they want my opinion to help form their opinion. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want to be somebody's, like, gauge on it, you know? Like, oh, I'm seeing it because this person told me to go watch it. Think for yourself. Well, no, I, I mean, I've done that. You guys have suggested movies to me that I've checked out. I've done the same to you. So yeah. a suggestion's not the same. Suggestions but... are different. Mm-hmm. But this is like when, when people are coming to you and being like, oh, should I go see this? Or what do you think of this? I'm going to see it because you liked it. Or I'm not going to see it because you didn't like it. You're depriving yourself. Don't do that to yourself. Those that, that listen to us on this fucking show, just because we suggest something does not mean it's gospel. That's bullshit. That's true. But you know what's not bullshit? Where people can find Peter and hopefully wearing pants. I'm not wearing pants now, and I usually am not when I'm tweeting either, which you can find me at Cinematica Pantsless on Twitter, uh, YouTube The Cinemasochist, Facebook The Cinemasochist, uh, 1201beyond.com with some, uh, some t-shirts that uh, you can wear with or without pants. It doesn't really matter. And I will leave your your last lingering thought to be, do I wear pants when I record my videos? That's right. We never do see below the waist. Yeah, you never know. Only one person knows, and that's uh, that's Charlotte. And I will leave her to that. It is her her call whether or not to reveal this uh, secret, most private information. Peter never wears pants, ever. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder he posts all those pictures, like, waist up. (laughs) I always knew he was hiding something. Yeah. You know who's not hiding anything? Well, he's actually hiding everything since we don't know what he looks like. A talking Maybe. cat? Uh, t- yeah, that's, that's it. I'm, it's really a, t- a sh- They figured out my, no wonder I like nine lives. Cause I'm a talking <laughs> well, cat. Well, your original production logo was an angry orange cat. It still is actually. It's just I haven't really used it in a while. Uh, am I go, oh, anyway. Yeah. Goodbadflix.com. Follow me. Good Bad Flicks on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, um, and also on 1201 Beyond. Uh, I may or may not be a sentient talking cat. I actually think it's kind of more interesting if you are, though. It, it, it certainly would be. I, uh, I, I could turn that in, uh, although I, I would hate to, uh, you know, come out. Maybe that's the thing. I don't want to come out to the public because then I'll be hunted. And they'll want to know why there's this talking cat. Well, yeah, they'll be performing all sorts of weird tests on you and probing. Nobody wants to be probed. Yeah, nobody wants to be probed. But then people might think you're a pussy. (laughs) So you can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above. 
keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold, and I'm spilling the beans. Cecil is a cat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's go. Ready? From the top. My favorite shows on TV have 12 minutes of advertising. I can't get behind that kind of time. Eat quickly, drive faster, make more money now. I can't get behind that. My kids say, he said to me, and I'm like, and he's like, and she's like, it's all, he's all, she's all. I can't get behind that kind of like English. That'll be six to eight weeks before delivery. The rising oceans, the warming temperatures. The dying polar bears, no tigers in 50 years. Rising poison in the air and water. I can't understand why the price of gas suddenly rises when oil goes up. But takes months to go down long after oil falls. I can't get behind any of that. I can't get behind the gods, who are more vengeful, angry, and dangerous if you don't believe in them. Why can't all these gods just get along? I mean, they're omnipotent and omnipresent. What's the problem? What's the problem? What about the men who say, do as I do? Believe in what I say for your own good, or I'll kill you! I can't get behind that! I can't get behind that! Everybody knows everything about all of us! That's too much knowledge! I can't get behind that! Drivers using my streets to learn. If you learn to play the drums, you gotta go to a studio, go to a parking lot for God's sakes. Why are you jeopardizing my life? I can't get behind a student driver. I can't get behind a driver who drives like a student driver. If you're gonna drive an urban assault vehicle, then get off the phone and keep your eyes on the road. Lifetime guarantee? Whose lifetime? Not mine. I haven't that much time left. Let's make it yours. Everybody's got a longer life than me. Leaf blowers. Is there anything more futile? Car alarms. Clap off. Clap on. Spam. Size matters. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it no, it does. doesn't. No, yes, it, it doesn't. Does. Yes, it does. My yes, phone it does. rings. Make millions in minutes. It's a computer. Lose inches and hours. Leave me the hell alone. Eat more. Spend less. The colonel is breakdancing. Give me a break. Credit terms arranged. I can't get behind any of that. I can't get behind so-called singers. They can't carry a tune. Get paid for talking. How easy is that? Well, maybe I could get behind that. Well, I can't. If you have to fix it with a computer, quantize, pitch corrected, nobly inspected, then you can't do it. And I can't get behind that. I can't get behind a fat ass. Radio Drum is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.